So I wonder how you would respond in this situation. If you were driving through an unfamiliar city late at night and your car broke down and your phone battery was dead and you got out of the car and began to walk hoping to find a restaurant or a business or something open that late that would allow you to come in and make a phone call for help, and as you're walking down this street in a dark part of town, you see something move out of the corner of your eye, and you turn and see this shadowy figure walking out of a dark alley, and he has a hoodie pulled up over his head, and he has sunglasses on, and as he walks up to you, he's looking this way and that way rather nervously, and he comes and he says to you, hey, Come with me down this alley. I've got something down there you'll really like. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that the chances of you going with him are zero. Now, why is it that we so easily recognize that kind of danger, but we so often fail to recognize the temptations that come our way every day, and we fall for them? And we follow them, and we walk with them down those dark alleys. If only there were some kind of guidebook that could help us see clearly the path of life, that could help us discern wisely between what is good and what is foolishness, to teach us how to handle those temptations, to teach us how to avoid them in the first place. Wouldn't it be great if there were that kind of book? Well, last week in our study through the Bible, we looked at the writings of David in the Psalms. Today, we'll begin looking at the writings of Solomon. This morning, it'll be the book of Proverbs. So you can go ahead and turn there to Proverbs 1.1. Next week, I'm going to do the order just a little bit differently. Next Sunday, God willing, we're going to look at the Song of Solomon, since that was reflective of an earlier time in his life. Two weeks from today, we'll explore Solomon's other book, Ecclesiastes, that was written near the end of his life, reflecting back on all the good and the bad and the ugly of his life, and it is a powerful little book. And then the week after that, we'll pick up right where we left off in 1 Kings chapter 11, uh, there at the end of Solomon's life. So last week was Psalms, today is Proverbs, and these two books complement each other really well. Psalms, you could say, is a workbook on worship. Proverbs is a workbook on wisdom. Psalms kind of lifts our heart to heaven. Proverbs keeps our feet on the ground and keeps us on the right path. Now, many people, of course, have recognized that the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and so it's a very convenient book to read a chapter a day, one for every day of the month. I don't know if you have followed that little pattern or not. Uh, I would highly recommend it to you. Proverbs are these little short snippets of wisdom that give us comparisons uh, and contrasts between wisdom and, and foolishness. And so it's just a great practice to add that to your routine. You know, again, you have apps on your phone that can read it to you if we're that lazy. I haven't found one yet that'll bring me a snack while that's going on, but maybe somebody's working on it. But you know, listen, some people say, man, I just, I don't have time. 
I, I bet you $100, sorry, I'm in church, not supposed to bet, but you know what I mean. I would be willing to say that you have time in your car from point A to point B. Don't waste that time. I'm not saying you always have to you know, listen to scripture. That's not the point. I listen to music and, and, and everything, but, but don't waste those times when you're standing in line somewhere at the post office or whatever. That's five minutes of your life. Invest it. Get out your phone. Read the scripture. Use those blank moments. Uh, you can really, really grow tremendously if you make, make use of those times. Proverbs is a book I would highly commend to you uh, to add to your daily routine. It'll take you just a few minutes to read each chapter, but boy, almost always during the day, a situation will come up, a conflict, a conversation, a big decision, a doubt, and God will bring one of those verses from Proverbs that morning to my mind, and I'll go, yep, I don't need to respond the way I was about to respond. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with that. Well, and just like Psalms last week, we obviously won't have time, and that's not the point at all, to dig into all the details of every proverb. We're just going to do an overview. Going through Proverbs would be a series on its own. Instead, I just want to help you see what an absolutely vital role this book of Proverbs plays in your daily decisions. This is not, you know, you can buy those little books of uh, quotes and proverbs and cute little sayings on your, on your calendar or whatever. Uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't know. Has anybody done that lately? Has anybody looked a gift horse in the mouth? Make hay while the sun shines. It's got all these clever sayings, but they don't really, they don't really do much. Proverbs is not that. It's not just a cute little collection of fun sayings to make you happy and help you get through the day. Proverbs is vital information and instruction for our daily lives and our decisions. And I want you to see what God is offering to us by learning to walk in his ways of wisdom. I want you to see the, the life and the richness and the blessings and the fullness that can be yours simply by digging into this book and putting it into practice. So if I had to boil down the purpose of the book of Proverbs into the, maybe the shortest way possible of saying it. I would have to say it's this. Proverbs, the purpose of Proverbs is to impart God's wisdom. And we'll expand on that in just a little bit. But it's to impart God's wisdom. And if I can be a little more specific on that, the, the book of Proverbs is all about choices. It presents to us the paths of wisdom and folly And how each of those paths will eventually lead either to life or to death. And it's our choices that determine which path we're walking on and where we will end up. It's our choices. I meet people all the time who say, well, it's not my fault. If you only knew what happened to me 10 years ago, if you only knew what a lousy father I had, Great, I got it, I get it. Everybody's been through stuff. But it's still your choices and mine that make us or break us. Let us not be the kind of people to unload our responsibility onto something or someone else. And Proverbs brings this out very, very clearly. 
Now, when we think of choices between good and evil, it should take us back to when we were back in the book of Genesis. God put two trees in the garden. Genesis 2.9 says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life had fruit that would keep you eternally near God. But the tree of knowledge had fruit that was, yeah, it was desirable to the eyes, man. It was good to look at, but its fruit would only cause you to die. And all Adam and Eve had to do was to let God's wisdom define for them what was right and what was wrong and to follow that path. But instead, they chose to listen to another voice in the garden. This voice was not the voice of wisdom. It was the voice of lies. It was the voice of the serpent, of folly, of sin. And it convinced Adam and Eve to turn their backs on God, to turn their backs on wisdom, and to choose instead the path of folly and sin. And that choice opened up the door for them to die. They were separated from God instantly, and God is the only source of life. The Bible tells us again and again that we must, we must abide in him and him in us if we are going to have life. And when we choose a different path, we're choosing to be disconnected from true life. Now, if I expand a little bit on that earlier definition of Proverbs, I would say to you that the point of Proverbs is to teach us to listen to the voice of wisdom and to walk in its ways, to teach us to listen to the voice of wisdom and to walk in its ways. And I'll tell you, we're, we're in desperate need of this, because as you and I travel through life, as we make the journey of life day by day, we are enticed by that same voice that Adam and Eve heard in the garden. Every day of our lives, Satan tries to lure us off the path of wisdom and righteousness to go with him down the path of foolishness and sin. So Proverbs is a book that repeatedly begs us to choose wisdom instead of folly. And it does this by giving us, for the most part, short, simple sayings that vividly illustrate God's wisdom in everyday life so that we can clearly see what God's wisdom actually looks like when it's lived out. And I don't know about you, but that's very helpful for me. If someone explains to me, uh, Phil, this, this road you're about to drive down, um, I just want to warn you, there's a huge pothole. You go past that massive oak tree on the right, right there, there's a huge pothole, and it will rip a hole in your tire. So just watch out for it. Be careful. Okay, that's the kind of input that helps me because it's visual. I know what's coming up, and then it's my choice as to whether or not I'm going to listen to that input and make my adjustments accordingly. The same is true with Proverbs. It helps us see the wisdom of God and how to live that out in everyday life. Because that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the application of truth. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the application of truth. You can have knowledge without wisdom. But knowledge alone will not guide your steps along God's path. We've seen many illustrations of this in life. A college professor could have more knowledge than all the students in his class combined. However, 
A young student in the class could be far wiser than that professor simply because she possesses the wisdom of God. Sometimes we've seen grown men and women who have no wisdom. You look at their choices and go, oi, 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 what in the world? And we've also seen young children who display extraordinary wisdom because they're being taught to listen to God's ways and to walk in his ways. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. But why, why does it matter so much to walk in God's ways and to follow his wisdom? I mean, why not just pick up any self-help book? Why not just read Freud or Nietzsche or, I'm not going to say his name again because I always mention Tony Robbins, but why do we need God's wisdom instead of Deepak Chopra or some of those people? Is there really a difference? I mean, wouldn't it be reasonable for someone to say, hey, man, I go to church. I try to be a good person. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm just living my life, man. Just let me live my life. I don't need all this stuff to constrain me. Well, here's why it's so important to follow God's wisdom above all others. Last Sunday, we saw from Psalms that God is the creator and the ruler over everything, including us. But now, when we step into Proverbs, what we're going to see is that man bears responsibility for his own choices and actions. We also see that man's actions have a significant impact on the world around him. Okay, so Proverbs highlights the role that each human being has in the issues of life. And it brings us to a point, really, the conclusion is that none of us, as I said a minute ago, none of us can hide from our personal responsibility by suggesting that, oh, this is God's fault, the reason this turned out this way. Proverbs is a book that clearly says you are accountable for your choices. It shows us the contrast between wise choices and foolish choices. But then it adds to that also. And here's the really helpful part for me. It adds to that by showing us the outcome of choosing wisdom or choosing folly. It warns us ahead of time, like how, how gracious is God to give us this? Rather than to say, ah, go on, you figure it out, right? When you fall in the ditch, you'll know better. No, God says, listen, gather around. I'm going to give you this book, 31 chapters, and I'm going to tell you ahead of time how you will be blessed or how you will be cursed when you choose wisdom or folly. And so we read this and we have, we have no escape whatsoever. We have no excuse to be able to say, well, I didn't know and this is not my fault. Proverbs paints vivid word pictures of what it looks like to choose wisdom instead of choosing folly, what it looks like to walk in God's ways instead of the ways of sin. And the beautiful part to me about Proverbs is it, it highlights throughout the book, it shows us what will come to us if we choose the path of wisdom. If we choose to follow God, it will bring us life and vitality and joy and blessing and fullness and immortality. 
As I said a minute ago, the book of Proverbs is not just a collection of good advice. It's actually leading those who will listen. It's leading them to life, to life. Anytime we try to define what is right in our own eyes, anytime we try to find pleasure in places that God has wisely denied, anytime we choose to live contrary to God's wisdom, we're doing what Adam and Eve did. We're taking that forbidden fruit and we're robbing ourselves of true life. And all those who live that way are ultimately choosing the path of death. And to help bring this to life, Proverbs uses a word picture for wisdom. It describes wisdom as a woman who stands along the pathways, on the street corner, in the marketplace, in the public square. And she calls out loudly and desperately to everyone passing by, begging them to listen, trying to rescue them from going down the path of folly. And that's how wisdom is portrayed. God is calling to each of us, begging us, please, please don't go down that road. I know it looks good now, but it's going to end terribly for you. God is calling out constantly through his word, not to limit our enjoyment, but to keep us on the right path and bring us true life and blessing. But if we're already saved, if, we're, if our salvation is already secure in heaven, then why is the book of Proverbs still so vital for us? I mean, you might be thinking, well, Proverbs could help the sinners out there. No, we got a bunch of sinners in here too, by the way. Got one right here. If we're saved, Proverbs is vital to us. It's not going to add to our salvation. It's not going to complete our salvation. But it'll help us to, as the Bible says, work out our salvation. It's important also because as we consider that we are God's ambassadors to those around us. And as I said last week, we're responsible for fulfilling our leadership role our rulership role here on earth that God has assigned us to, man, when we think of those two things, we are God's ambassadors and we are called to fulfill the leadership, the rulership role that he's assigned us to, then our need for wisdom, I don't know about you, but for me, it becomes glaringly obvious because I know there's no way that I can live up to this calling on my own. And folks, evidence is all around us. We, we see it all through our lives. Evidence is all around us of the devastation that comes as a result of people choosing to live by their own, quote, wisdom. We've all seen it. And to some degree, we've all participated in it. We see it everywhere. Lives that are in absolute ruin. I was having a conversation just a few days ago with someone talking about someone they know who's has just chosen decade after decade. They know the truth, but they just continue to choose to turn a deaf ear to God's wisdom, to walk past Lady Wisdom as she stands there on the corner, calling out. This person has chosen decade after decade to go their own way. And what has it brought them? Happiness and joy and fulfillment and peace? Not at all, man. Their life is a disaster. It's a disaster. And I don't say that in a, in a cruel way. I don't say that in a derogatory way. It kills me to see when this happens. 
God offers us life and peace and joy and fullness. And we go, eh, I think I'll do better on my own. If we wrestle with that, and I, I'm guessing you do as I do, the book of Proverbs is a lifesaver. And it's a book that every believer should study with diligence. It's a book that every believer should take to heart and not just listen to, but learn to live it out. That's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is, is really the full definition of wisdom is not just something you've heard and you know and you understand. It's living wisely. It's living it out. Well, we saw last week that David wrote most of the Psalms, and the same is true here today. Solomon wrote most of these Proverbs. Proverbs 1.1 tells us the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, maybe you remember back when we were in 1 Kings chapter 3, God asked Solomon for one thing. He said, give me wisdom. If you don't give me anything else, give me wisdom, because he said, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to lead these people. God, I need your wisdom. And God did indeed give Solomon wisdom. And in fact, we're told that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And it's sad to say that the wisest man who ever lived still wrecked his life. We'll see two weeks from today in the book of Ecclesiastes. And boy, it is a powerful wake-up call for all of us. You see, because as I said, it's not enough just to know wisdom. It has to be applied. We have to live it out and put it into practice. Solomon knew it. Boy, he was, he was wise. But he reached a point in his life where he decided to override God's wisdom and go his own way. And he paid the price. Well, during his lifetime, Solomon was a prolific writer. We saw also back in 1 Kings chapter 4, it said that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and he wrote 1,005 songs. So this guy was uh, remarkable in that sense. And, and in the book of Proverbs, this collection of wisdom that we have from Solomon and, and a couple others, folks, we have wisdom that covers every imaginable area of life. I wasn't sure how to approach this just because of time's sake. Again, we don't have slides today because I just gave up towards the end of the week of trying to assemble slides in a way for this kind of presentation because I'm, I know... Depending on time, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff. I'm going to jump around. Uh, and it's just too hard for the folks back there to try to keep up with that on the slide. So I just think today and the next two weeks, as we do these overviews of these whole books, uh, I'm not going to bother with slides. I think it's going to be too much of a distraction. So in trying, to th in trying to think of a way to convey briefly the wide range of topics that the book of Proverbs covers, I, I just jotted some down. Just listen to these. This will take a minute, but I, I just want to read through some of these. And this is just a snippet of Proverbs. Okay? It teaches us about not giving in to peer pressure, about avoiding dishonest gain. It warns us about adultery. It teaches us about money management and tithing, about accepting discipline willingly, about not fearing what the ungodly people fear about helping those in need, never falsely accusing anyone, not following after wicked people, guarding your heart, never speaking deceitfully. It warns us against making deals with strangers. It teaches us how to 
learn about hard work by watching ants. Ants. It warns us against the danger of laziness. It tells us to never sow discord among the brethren. It says we should never say things we don't mean. It warns us against lying, against lusting. It tells us to choose wisdom over riches. It teaches us to plan ahead. It says to avoid people who talk too much. What? I know I talk a lot up here, but it warns us to never cheat someone in a business deal. You understand? You see how these play out in your life and my life tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday? It tells us why we should choose humility instead of pride. It says we should never slander our neighbor. We should never spread gossip. It gives us the benefit of seeking wise counsel, of being generous and not trusting in riches. It tells us to not bring trouble on your home. It tells us the importance of winning souls. It says that a wife should never bring shame on her husband. It tells us not to be self-important, not to be important in our own eyes. You know the t-shirt, I'm kind of a big deal? That sort of thing. It tells us not to chase after foolish fantasies. It tells us about being kind to animals. It tells us to overlook an insult instead of getting angry. It says not to speak rashly, not to brag about yourself. It tells us not to be anxious. It says to surround yourself with wise people. It talks about disciplining your children. It warns us not to believe everything we hear. It talks about being patient instead of quick-tempered, not envying others. How important it is for a nation to be righteous. Hello. On and on and on it goes. I haven't even covered half of Proverbs. And so you see just from that little sampling there, just that quick flyover, some of the areas that Proverbs shares God's wisdom about. Now, for those who are interested in this kind of thing, as I did last week with Psalms, I'll give you a quick breakdown of the chapters of Proverbs. Chapters 1 through 9 are basically a father giving wisdom to his son. And it applies to all of us. If you read it, you'll see very quickly it applies to all of us, whether you're a father or not, whether you're a son or not. Chapters 10 through 29 contain all those little um, short statements of wisdom that that's the part of Proverbs most people are familiar with. Very, very powerful instructions for life there in chapters 10 to 29. Chapter 30 contains the writings of a man named Augur, and chapter 31 is that chapter about the woman of noble character. But let's go back to chapter 1 quickly. We try to kind of start bringing this to a close. Chapter 1, let's read what Proverbs itself says is the purpose for reading this book. Chapter 1, verse 2. Why do we need this? To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give insight to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their riddles, or yours may say dark sayings. It means deep sayings. It means things that are very rich. You kind of have to dig to to mine them out. This is a long list of things that a person can gain by studying this book. But listen, folks, 
None of that can happen. None of that can become reality in your life without this foundational statement upon which everything must be built. The next verse, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, if you jump ahead, Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in order to gain understanding. So as we read Proverbs, we see that knowledge and wisdom and understanding all have as their foundation the fear of the Lord. You see, without a, without a reverence for God, without an understanding of who he is and who we are, without a heart that longs to live for God and please him and bring him glory, there is no true wisdom, no true knowledge, no true understanding. You say, Phil, that's not right. I have unsaved friends who are super smart. Yeah, they're smart. But that's where it ends. The fear of the Lord, the Bible tells us, is foundational. People can fill their heads. They can spend a lifetime filling their heads with all kinds of learning and information and facts and statistics. But without the fear of the Lord that brings true wisdom, none of that will amount to anything when life is over. Boy, they can build monuments to him here on earth. They can write books about him. But when it's all over, it's going to run through their hands like water. It's going to be gone without the fear of the Lord. Those people may know textbooks, but in God's eyes, they don't know how to navigate life and eternity. Wisdom is what comes from God alone. He is the source of wisdom. He is wisdom. And people who reject the wisdom of God are called fools in the Bible. It doesn't pull any punches there. Now, if you want to see in Scripture what wisdom really looks like, what wisdom looks like when it sort of puts clothes on and shoes and walks around in the real day-to-day life that we live in, if you want to see what wisdom really looks like, all you need to do is look at Christ. Colossians 2.3 tells us that In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, Christ was the embodiment of God's wisdom. The qualities of wisdom are are the attributes that we see in, in the life of Christ. That's why I tell you again and again, the most important thing you can do for your Christian life and spiritual growth is to study the life of Christ. Get to know Jesus like never before. Spend time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Dig in, dive in, study the life of Christ. See the way he responded in similar situation that you faced last week and you blew it. And you read about this beautiful, humble, meek son of God who was spat on and slapped around and abused and lied about. See how he responded in those situations. You see the times he got tough, really tough. You see how all the way through came to the end and laid down his life for us. Listen, the greatest thing you can do for your Christian life is to get to know Christ. He is the embodiment of, 
of wisdom. See, he was God's divine revelation to us. And in a sense, the the book of Proverbs is the divine revelation of God's infinite mind to us. And it's a remarkable thing to open it up and read. I want you to think about that. In Proverbs, we have the divine revelation of God's infinite mind given to us. It's right there in your Bible, the book of Proverbs. Think about that. If you had the opportunity, a personal invitation to spend 15 minutes a day alone with God, I mean literally, physically, face-to-face, if he invited you personally, hey, I'm just, I want you to know this is a special thing for you. Meet me at such and such a place every day at such and such a time. We'll spend 15 minutes together. You can ask me anything you want. I'm going to impart my wisdom to you. Would you do it? Of course we'd do it. We'd change our entire calendar to do that. Folks, I want to tell you, you can already do that. Open up his word. His wisdom is there. His truth is there waiting for us. And his entire word, of course, the entire Bible provides wisdom to us, but that's especially true in the book of Proverbs. Some people might read Proverbs and say, man, why are there so many things that God tells us not to do? Like he's a, he's a killjoy. Why is he trying to stop me from enjoying my life? Folks, that's not it at all. And if you're a parent, you'll understand what I'm about to say. If your child was required to walk across a huge field filled with landmines, and you had the map of that field, of where every landmine was located, would you give the child your map? Or would you say, ah, you know, I don't, I don't want to seem negative. It's foolishness when we think about it that way, isn't it? You think God's being harsh with us by warning us about all these things in Proverbs? It's like warning your child not to pick up a cobra. Of course, you'd give your child that map. You'd sit down with him and you'd, you'd study it together. You'd go through every piece of it. You'd, you'd give him advice on which ways to walk and what places to avoid. That's exactly what God has done in the book of Proverbs. It's not to limit our happiness, folks. It's to keep us from destruction. God's eternal Moral laws have already been set in place. They cannot be broken. And here's a simple truth. Those who obey God's laws will find life. Those who ignore them will reap destruction. I've lost count. I've lost count over the years of the number of people I've talked to who chose to ignore God's wise instruction and go their own way. And after everything fell apart... I've never heard one of them say, boy, I wish I'd ignored God's instructions more. Never heard one of them say, man, I wish I had sinned more. I'll tell you what I have heard. I have heard people sob through tears and say, why did I ever do that? Why was I so foolish to ignore God's commands and go my own way? I've wrecked my life. I've heard that. I've heard that. Listen, Proverbs tells us how appealing, how inviting sin looks. Sin makes all kinds of promises. That's what sin does. 
Bible says that Satan himself masquerades. There's, that's the word, you know, the masquerade ball, where you cover your, the real you. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. I think one of the, I don't know how to quantify this, but I would say I think one of the most destructive things that has ever happened in regard to Christians losing their healthy fear of Satan is whoever came up with that little cartoon of Satan as the guy in the red suit holding a a pitchfork with horns and a forked tail. Absolute nonsense. And we look at that and go, ah, well, I'd see that coming a mile away. When the most beautiful, desirable option you could ever imagine standing right there in front of you and you don't recognize that it's Satan. Sin makes all kinds of promises, folks, but in the end, it'll rob you, it'll tear you down, it'll impoverish you, it'll destroy you. And by the way, it'll do the same to those around you. We have a huge responsibility here, far more than just ourselves. Proverbs 5.22 says, The iniquities of a wicked man entrap him. The cords of sin entangle him. He shall die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Listen, bud, I want to close with this. The good news is that doesn't have to define your life. Because Proverbs is filled with the blessings and benefits and promises to all those who will simply choose the path of wisdom. Here are a few examples. Just really listen to how beautiful and life-giving these words are. As I read some of these, just listen and go, boy, I want that in my life. Listen to how beautiful all of these are from Proverbs. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who acquires understanding. For she, that's wisdom, she is more profitable than silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compares with her. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who lay hold of her are blessed. My son, do not lose sight of this. Preserve sound judgment and discernment. They will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck, beautiful jewels. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you rest, your, your sleep will be sweet. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from the snare. Pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. Why? For they are life to those who find them and health to the whole body. When you walk, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this commandment is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way to life. And this is where I skip a whole bunch of stuff. It just goes on and on and on. Is that what you want for your life? That's what I want for mine. God's not restricting our freedom. He's showing us the path to life. And it can be ours if we just choose to walk in the ways of wisdom. That kind of life not only brings blessing to us, folks, it blesses those around us. And ultimately, and most importantly, it pleases God. It pleases God. Is that not the desire of every one of our hearts today? 
to please God. Please God. We don't do it by trying harder and gritting our teeth and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian today. Boy, I'm really going to do it. No, man. We've got to just say, God, help me to walk in the paths of wisdom, to avoid foolishness, to choose your ways. Wouldn't it be great if all of us here today could say, Father, my desire is to follow in your footsteps, to love what you love, to hate what you hate, to continue growing in your wisdom so that my life can put your beauty and your glory on display. Folks, you want that? I encourage you to dive into this amazing book of Proverbs. Read one a day. Try it for 30 days and see what God can do in your life. Let's pray. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. I want